After the sun set on a sunny Spanish Grand Prix, Formula One had its sights set on the jewel of the crown for the fifth round of the Formula One World Championship in 2021. After a year break, Monaco is back on the calendar and Lewis Hamilton leads the championship after Spain, but the threat of the determined Dutchman is ever present. Max Verstappen, hunting for his first world championship, is only 14 points behind the seven-time world champion. There's potentially a lot to gain and a lot to lose around the tight, twisty streets of Monaco. The historic Monte Carlo circuit is renowned for being difficult to overtake on, so the work has to be done in qualifying. Who would reign supreme then? Another win for the reigning champion or potentially a first for Max Verstappen? Or was there a certain scarlet red Italian team in the mix for victory in the Principality? My name is Fozzy, this is Double Stand, and welcome to our race recap for round five of the 2021 Formula One season. Round five, which was in Monaco, racing around the streets of the Principality. And well, Cameron, we don't always see amazing races in Monaco, even though it does have a lot of history and heritage, but this race, I don't I think it fell slightly below par on some of the previous Grand Prix were. Yeah, Monaco, you come to the uh, Principality and you don't really expect too much overtaking, but uh, you'd expect a few more than what we got. But as is the case with this weekend, it's all about the prestige, the history of Formula One in Monaco. And Saturday is really where all the action is. And once again this year, Saturday showed us why we do have to go to Monaco each year and why you can make it quite an enjoyable weekend. And uh, yeah, what do you think of Monaco? Are you a fan of it overall or are you more for the normal tracks that we visit? You see, it's strange. For racing, it can be a bit 50-50, but for qualifying, it provides one of the best qualifying sessions in the calendar, I think. Seeing the drivers throw the cars around the track millimetres away from hitting the barrier each corner, I think it's a great spectacle. You don't get it anywhere else on the calendar. So, yeah, I think for qualifying, it's amazing, but for the racing, well, maybe the cars are just getting a little bit too wide to make any overtakes possible. Yeah, the cars are getting bigger and hopefully next year though we will see some change in that and uh, they just can't go side by side at the moment. It's very difficult, although certain drivers have tried it in the past. It makes it a tremendous challenge to overcome, but hopefully as the years go into 2022 and we get the new regulations, the smaller cars, less downforce, uh, we will be able to bring some action back to Principality on a Sunday. But I think one thing this weekend that was good is that we had the fans there. We had about, I think, 40 to 50% capacity, and it did feel a bit more lively. And with it being a street circuit, you generally just have people in the apartments around. You had the Leclerc flags everywhere, and for a lot of the drivers, it's kind of their second home Grand Prix as well. So you did have yeah. that vibrant atmosphere, and I think that does help towards, especially with coming out of what was a horrible year last year and coming into this new uh, bit of freedom. We are seeing now that the racetracks are feeling a bit more lively, and it just adds to it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, really adds to the atmosphere. And I think if there were no fans at Monaco, then it just wouldn't have been a Monaco Grand Prix. That's one of the things when it comes to Monaco. You have fans all over the yachts, you have people up in the balconies with banners and flags draping down. And I think if we didn't have that, it really wouldn't have felt the same. But it was good to see fans there, not just for the race, but for the qualifying and the practice sessions as well. And I think qualifying probably gave us the biggest storyline of the weekend with Charles Leclerc 
hitting the barrier on his final quick lap in Q3 and ruining the laps of many people behind him who all say that they were going to be going for pole. We will never know who would have actually ended up on pole should Charles Leclerc not have crashed there. But yeah, that was quite a storyline and it threw up quite a bit of controversy as well, didn't it, Cameron? Yeah, I think a lot of people who were saying that they did that on purpose said they just need to get a grip of themselves. What the cost that, that caused in both financial and also for the race, the rest of the race weekend, was monumental. And I don't think Leclerc would ever do such a thing anyway. It's not like the older days where you would potentially get some action like that going on. And But I, the most thing I'm surprised about is Ferrari. They've come from a shocking year in 2020. Drivers so far away from each other on pace and everything alone. And yet Monaco, that was their track, was it? They they come out, we saw in practice, and they looked good in practice. And we're thinking, hang on a second. Uh, you know, the Tifosi are going to be liking this one. And then qualifying came, and he had both cars running for pole position in Q3. It was monumental. And it just was so good to have Ferrari back up there. Even if it is potentially just for this one weekend, the car seems suited to Monaco, then... I'm all for it. Ferrari look to be back on form, and with their driver lineup, Fozzie, it's certainly something to be looking forward to in the coming races and seasons. Yeah, first podium in red for Carlos Sainz, and I'm sure that it won't be the last as well. He demonstrated fantastic pace across the weekend, as did Charles Leclerc, but unfortunately didn't get to start the race. And it's good to see Sainz doing well for the Tifosi. It's good to see the whole team doing well as well. Even if, like you say, this is the only time we see them dominating a race weekend this season, it shows that they've definitely made huge improvements from where they were last time. Another team, just quickly to mention, who have also made some improvements which we saw on a race, Aston Martin, both drivers scoring points for the first time this season and just having a very good weekend overall. Fifth and eighth for the two drivers, Sebastian Vettel, driver number five, ending it in P5 as well. It's good to see him getting some points. And did you hear his radio message, Cameron? We had the ring a ding ding back again. I think we did. Very nice just to see a little bit of a little bit of joy come out of Sebastian Vettel because it hasn't been the easiest for him since probably the start of 2019, I would have thought. He's not yeah. at his A game. So very good to see him back having some fun in Formula One. Exactly. And, and Aston Martin, they're one of those teams we've mentioned it well, in all the previous ones. They don't seem to have got up to speed as quickly. But again, Monaco is a race where strange things happen. We've had Leclerc on pole, and we've had both Aston Martins in the points, and I'm going to be taking my own points for that one as well. I predicted in my race preview, little plug if you haven't seen them before, give them a watch, although it's a bit late now, admittedly for Monaco, uh, that uh, they would both score points, Sebastian Vettel scoring his own points, and they did, and they did it in fashion. In fact, Vettel scored enough points that he now overtakes Lance Stroll, his teammate, in the standings. He scored 10 points and his first points finish with the green team, coming out of the red team in that all sorts of uh, strange sort of departure that the two had last year and it's good to see a bit of a resurgence Sebastian Vettel we were getting a few worries that Sebastian Vettel might not be up to speed as he was in previous years or getting to grips with that car but I think Monaco has kind of shown us that he is there and a track which experience is ever so key a bit like um, Turkey last year and, and with the wet conditions he really comes out and shines in that green car or whatever car he's in and I just hope now that we start to see him gather pace and really take that team forward and same for Lance Stroll as well. Lance Stroll's had a good race. He was a bit down in qualifying but again they pulled strategy. Strategy wonders uh, for Aston Martin and the same could also be said for Red Bull Fozzie. Max Verstappen net basically starting on pole after Charles Leclerc had that gearbox drive shaft issue which unfortunately was an emotional heartbreak for everyone involved even us you know Monagas driver on pole in Monaco it's just what you want and unfortunately the curse struck again and uh, yeah but Red Bull starting pole with Max and then further down the field with Perez 
a really good finish for them. Perez did his bit on a Sunday. We know he's not particularly, like, he's not particularly too great on a Saturday, but Sunday is where he shines and managed to take home a P4 for Red Bull when that fuzzy has big changes for the Constructors' Championship, doesn't it? Yep, Red Bull leading the Constructors' Championship. And Perez, best of the rest there in P4. He is the king of tyre management. And that is something which is very important around the streets of Monaco. So it's great to see him finally closing out the gap to Verstappen and bringing home some good points for the team as well. There is one driver, though, who, well, I would... I suppose he did fall below expectations. That driver is, of course, Daniel Ricciardo. We saw McLaren on the podium with Lando Norris, although he had lapped his teammate Daniel Ricciardo on lap whatever it was. Um, yeah, that, that would have hurt him, I think. I really think that would have yeah. hurt Daniel Ricciardo. High expectations, Cameron, of him, obviously, going to McLaren, hoping to uh, take the team forward towards championships. But at the moment, he's taking his time to settle into that car a bit. Yeah, Daniel Ricciardo, he's a great driver. We know that. It's That's fact at this point. But he has taken a little bit of a little longer than we'd expect him to in order to adapt to that McLaren handling. And in fact, Carlos Sainz, I believe, was messaging Daniel Ricciardo saying it, it is quite strange, isn't it? The the McLaren handling. So it, it might be just a, a thing to do with the car and that Lando Norris, he's grown, he's grown used to that car. That car's going to be built around him more, him being there and also uh, getting a contract extension as well. Congratulations, Lando Norris, still in Formula One and still showing how it's done and uh, growing with the team. But Daniel Ricciardo just needs a bit more time to really get in there and, and get used to that car, the team and everything. And Monaco is one of those tracks, right? If you have a bad Saturday, if you can't get the lap together, then that's your Sunday done, essentially. You may as well not turn up because realistically there's zero opportunities for overtaking or any form of games in, in the race unless you pull strategy like certain other teams did. But yeah, uh, yeah you may as well not turn up, but it might just be a blip. Saw that with Lewis Hamilton. He didn't hook it up at all over the weekend. Um, Saturday, his qualifying was well below par, and then he just wasn't able to get past the likes of Gasly or Vettel in the race. Uh, obviously, the undercut didn't work. The strategy wasn't on his side this time round, unlike in Spain. But yeah, for Lewis Hamilton, a great driver, a great car. But if you can't get it to work on Saturday, it's just not going to fall in your favour on the Sunday, is it? No, and. Uh, there was a few heated exchanges on the radios and they're mainly from uh, the driver in that one and understandably he is fighting for a championship this could potentially be the turning point where the momentum goes in Rebel Max Verstappen's favour and if the team aren't particularly on it let's say strategy wise and the driver isn't on it and the car isn't on it then it all just falls apart and we see this whenever Mercedes have issues and they did have issues this race they're spectacular like Sakir for example it was a complete meltdown of the team they seem to have like one race each year where it all goes just completely wrong for them and there is no real reparation for that And but they do bounce back very strong let's talk about Bottas then if he, as Martin Brundle often says if he didn't have bad luck he'd have no luck at all Fozzie yeah, it just never seems to go well, especially in pit stops for Valtteri Bottas. He's had a few issues this year. Obviously, in Imola, he had that crash with George Russell, and now he's gone and uh, had a stuck wheel nut in Monaco. Strange issue. Uh, not one that we've seen in recent times in Formula 1, or in any time, really, in Formula 1. I, I can't think of any time where that has happened off the top of my head, but... Yeah, he was in a great position. He was looking secure for a podium. He nearly had Max Verstappen at the start of the race, starting P2. Well, net P2. But, yeah, it just fell away from him in that pit stop. And I saw a comment from Toto Wolff. Admittedly, this is only a headline. I've not read an article as such, Shane. But, 
Toto thinks Valtteri was slightly to blame for that pit stop by stopping too far uh, either mm. forward or back in his pit stop. And okay, yeah, that is going to... The mechanics are going to have to come in at an angle, they're going to have to shuffle or something, but I don't think you can blame Bottas for what happened at that pit stop. I don't think you can blame the team for what happened at that pit stop. It was just one of those unfortunate things that happened, and we can't do too much about it now it's in the past, Cameron. Yeah, Mercedes often go with this tone of we win as a team, we lose as a team. And and Bot uh, Bottas came out recently, in fact, very recently, saying sort of they need to see whether it's human error, whether it's another form of error involved. And the likelihood is it's going to be on both sides. If the car hasn't come in and stopped on its marks, the mechanic's going to have to, you know, move around, slightly be out of sight position to what they would be. And therefore, that changes the whole mechanics of it. You're trying to do a two and a half second pit stop, and yet you need everything to be lined up perfectly. And if something doesn't go well there in whatever respect, then that is going to cost time. And there was also some mention that possibly the gun was might have just been in a completely wrong setting and that's why it, it machined the nuts and, and things like that. But Mercedes, if there's any team that can bounce back from heartbreak and tragedy, it's it's Mercedes. They know how to come back and they, they know that they've still got a real good chance of beating Red Bull at the end of this year. So it's going to be a bit of a pain and especially for Valtteri Bottas, his seat obviously on the line here coming into the final year of his contract. And nothing seems to go right for him. This weekend, he was, you know, head of Hamilton dominating his teammate. And yet it all came undone in the pits. And that radio message, that, guys, that was mm. purely just, that was almost worth a couple tears there. You felt for him, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In the pits, you know the stop's gone terribly wrong. You just hear cars going past and past and past. And you're thinking, yep, that's another place, another place, another place. And now I'm out. Because yeah. at the end of the day, if something goes wrong in the pit stops, there's nothing you can do about it, Monaco. That is it gone. And and the tyre is still there, I believe. Still, as far as we know, is still attached to that Mercedes W12. Pit time is still going. Yeah, pit time <laughs> yeah. is still going. Uh, that's why we'll be starting a race on in Baku, if you didn't know. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah it, it, yeah, it didn't go well for Valtteri Bottas, did it? It was a real, real shame to see that. We're five rounds in, done now. Is Valtteri Bottas out of this fight already? Is that his championship done? What do you think? Well, I don't know. If I'm being honest, I don't know. Potentially, yes, he could go on and still contend for the championship, assuming he doesn't have any more issues. I mean, we're five rounds in. He's had two DNFs already. So it's he's going to need to not have any more. If he has one more DNF, I think he's really going to be out of the equation. But never say never. We're five rounds in. We're just just under a quarter of the way into the season so i'm not going to rule him out but i'm going to say it's looking increasingly unlikely as each race weekend goes on especially if he keeps getting outscored by hamilton and verstappen and the form they're on the consistency that they're on it's not looking too good for him but he might come back mentally stronger after each round each round so who knows we'll just have to see how he goes at each race weekend i think yeah so at the moment he's just shy of 60 points away from Max Verstappen. In fact, he's kind of in a battle with Sergio Perez here. He's three points ahead of him. And I think that is kind of where he's going to stay. He could potentially get P3, and I think I, I think he will. Lando Norris is currently sitting there in P3 mm. uh, with McLaren 56 points. So I do think that Bottas and Perez are going to be fighting out between the two. The second drivers are going to be battling out as to where they'll be in the championship. But at this point, I kind of have to say that Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton are your two contenders. If... 
if Bottas and Perez aren't there already, then that's them out because that momentum you need from race one and, and that's like retirement. And if there is a retirement, it always seems to unfortunately affect the second driver in these situations. Yes. Then that's going to cost him. Lewis Hamilton, he was very lucky in Imola to not be out of that race, but he had the luck of the draw with Bottas's demise in that race. So it's it's helped him considerably. And I do just think now that that second driver, you are there to win the constructors, not the drivers' championship. And I think you know he's got to, he's still got to have that idea in his head that I am fighting for. I'm the best driver out there, but objectively speaking, he's not fighting for it. In, in my concern, I think. And, uh, yeah, we'll see if they get the tyre off Will Baku or else their allocation is going to be a bit different. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Baku. Um, it's going to be, again, between Red Bull and Mercedes for this track. I think Ferrari out of contention for this one, especially with the amount of straight line speed that's required for Baku. Personally, I think it's possibly looking more favourable towards Red Bull, mainly because of the flexi limbo wing, whatever you want to call it. Although I think we might see a fireworks start to go off when we get to Baku, Cameron, because uh, Mercedes aren't yes. staying quiet about that, are they? Yes, the lawyers are coming out to play, I think. I think that's where this is going. Um, we've got the battle on track and the battle off track, as we like to see. Mainly we want to see more on track, but there's this dispute over the flexible wings that Red Bull and Mercedes are using. Toto Wolff has said that should Red Bull bring the bendy rear wing to Baku, which will help them on straight line speed, then they will be protesting that result. So whatever the verdict is on the FIA, uh, when they come to sort out what they're doing with it, then that those points could potentially be up for grabs. And to which point, uh, I believe Toto, uh, Christian Horner has said that we're going to protest Mercedes front wing because that's quite bendy, in which Toto said, okay, we'll counter protest yours. So it's a bit of bickering going off track, and uh, which is all the dramas we like to see. We had it with Racing Point last year. We got it with Red Bull and Mercedes this year but we just want to see good on track racing and i know the flexible wing thing is a bit controversial but if it makes the competition closer then i'm kind of all for it in this regard we want to see yes. a close championship fight we've seen that monaco things are still on and it's going to be the closest that i've personally seen for a while and i'm all for Red Bull potentially having a little advantage that might just help them stay in line with mercedes i still think mercedes have overall the better race team and are able to fight for the championship. So if anything that keeps it close, I'm all for it. What about you, Fozzie? Yep, I think you've uh, worded it exactly how I would have worded it. We're just going to have to wait and see how things pan out in just over a week and a half's time in Baku. I'm looking forward to it. Don't forget to follow F one on Twitter and to find out our predictions and let us know what your predictions are by tweeting us or putting in the comments down below as well what you're expecting for Baku, but I'm expecting it to be another Red Bull win, namely Max Verstappen. But I also think we might see Sergio Perez on the podium. Cameron, what are you thinking? You hoping to see a double Red Bull podium? It would be nice, wouldn't it? We, uh, we had this issue with Albon last year where it's like, we need him to get his podium, get that monkey off your back, etc. And he ended up getting a couple, I believe. But Sergio Perez, that started to come around now as well. He needs to master qualifying on the Saturday so he can be there on the Sunday. Sunday, though, in Baku is always fun. You've got the motorway, essentially, at the back, which is your big, long straight and downforce and the slipstream. Uh, your friends are around Baku. And, yeah, I think Ferrari might be pretty good in the, the middle sector. It's sort of around that area, but they're going to be nowhere, I think, when it comes to the back straight. 
to find out when we go to Baku in Azerbaijan. Not long now, and that will be round six, and to which Max Verstappen leads the World Championship by four points. And where will they be after the race in Baku? Well, we're just going to have to find out. But from myself and Fozzy, this has been your double stacked race recap for the Monaco Grand Prix. Have a good one, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.